Here's what's coming up on today's show. Do you need a certain level of wealth before you need an estate plan? Today, Mark and I talk about the reasons everyone needs an estate plan and things you should consider in your estate plan. It's easy to get lost on the way to retirement. Things like taxes, improper planning, and excessive market risk can all lead you astray from your goal of a successful and happy retirement. That's where Liz Whittaberry comes in. She's a holistic financial advisor and the founder of Best Path Advisors, and she can help guide you to a better financial path. This is Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry. It's time to retire on your best path with Liz Whittaberry and myself to talk investing, finance, and retirement here on the podcast. As always, if you've got questions or concerns, reach out to Liz and have a conversation about your retirement journey at bestpathadvisors.com. That's bestpathadvisors.com. And we are going to talk about having an estate plan, what that means, what it looks like, and does everyone need one? And that's kind of the topic and the focus this week. Uh, Some people think that estate planning is only for the ultra wealthy. So we're going to dive into that. But first, Liz, how you doing? I am great. How are you, Mark? Doing very well. Looking forward to our conversation. We are into, I think, mid-December with this one. So we're getting close to the uh, the big holiday there. So getting close to Christmas. Yeah. Yes. Hope everybody's out and about doing their thing and uh, enjoying themselves and uh, having a you know having a slowing down a little bit. I think Christmas. Hopefully, it feels like we speed up so much because we're trying to run around. Uh, but then hopefully you have those moments that you can also slow down and enjoy the holidays as well. Yeah, that that couple of weeks around around Christmas and New Year's is really a good time. Yeah, uh, where we slow down and have more fam- family time. Hopefully. That's the you goal, too. right? Yeah. 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 That is definitely the goal. So I mentioned the ultra wealthy, the estate planning thing. I don't know how many times I've heard it, probably all of us have, where we say, "Oh, yeah, estate plan, oh, you know, or trust, you must be loaded," you know, kind of thing. Uh is that true? That is uh in my opinion not true. Most people have an estate. Okay. So what is an estate? That's just the sum of your assets minus your liabilities. So all of your accounts, your real property, your vehicles, your houses, your personal belongings, anything that you have a legal right to, an entitlement to, could be digital assets as well. So an estate plan is going to designate how are those assets distributed upon your death. It's Mm -hmm. also going to let people know how your affairs should be conducted during your lifetime if you're no longer able to make decisions for yourself, if you can't write checks to pay your bills. Who's going to do that for you? And so an estate plan would encompass all of that. And because everyone has an estate, everyone needs an estate plan. Now, that can be simple or complex, depending upon your needs. But everyone needs to at least have a plan for their situation. Yeah, I think that's you know a great point to make is how simple or how complicated it needs to be may depend on the level of wealth or the level of complexities of the things that you may have. I'm sure that multiple properties and things, I mean, the more stuff you have, the more complicated it can get. Fairly you know, simple right. process to think about. So why do most of your clients or how do most of your clients, I guess I should say, you know, view legacy? Are most people leaving money to kids and grandkids? I always like to ask this question when I'm chatting with folks because everybody's so different, right? It's like I personally think the healthy approach, which is what my wife and I are doing, is when we get to retirement, we're going to do the things that we want to be able to do and and live our lifestyle, uh, God willing, right? right? That's the point. And then whatever's left over will go to our daughter. 
But everybody's different. Some people want to leave their focus in retirement is to leave as much as they can and others is to not leave anything. How do you how do you see your clients? I would say most people would fall into the same camp as you and your wife. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants a approach, course. Right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants to protect their retirement, don't want to run out of money, want to make sure that they're they have enough to last all the years that they live, still have money left at the end, can cover all of the needs that they have during their retirement, as well as the things that they want to do. And I just saw an interesting quote that said uh, something like, you got to get to retirement to be able to be young. And, and the idea was, <laughs> that's when you can really do the things that you want to do. Yeah, yeah life in do reverse, the travel, right? do, do all of the things. So you've got to hold off on, on being young when you retire. And we are younger when we retire these days. Yeah. Uh, but you know, most of my clients feel that whatever is left is what's left, which is exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. They want to do everything on their list. They want to do things that come up to have fun. I do have some clients that want to pass on a certain amount of wealth. And if they fall below that amount of wealth and they want to reduce their spending because the legacy is mm. very important to them. Okay. And I've even had a few clients that wanted to leave everything to heirs, really didn't want to dip into their wealth. And I'm thinking of one client that comes to mind. She was a widow and she worked as a school counselor and she retired at full retirement age. She turned on her pension. She turned on Social Security. This was at a point where in Texas you could get both. Mm -hmm. And then she went back to work the next year and continued to work until she was 85. And she let that pension and that Social Security, that just went into a savings account, and she built up a very large sum of money that she left to heirs. But that was her goal. That was what she wanted to do. She loved to work. She didn't see any reason not to work. She enjoyed the counseling that she did, and she wanted to leave that big legacy. But, you know, that would be, uh, she's the the unusual client out of, you know, all of the clients that I have. Uh, most people just want to enjoy their wealth and let their heirs have whatever is left. And a lot of people want to give to their heirs during their lifetime as opposed to leaving it when they're no longer there to even see them enjoy it. That's a great point. Yeah. I think the concept, because let's, you know, the concept of retirement, Liz, is only about a hundred years old anyway, really. Right. You know, it's not yeah. like it's been around since, you know, we have. Right? So it's Exactly. It's People not, didn't live long enough right. to really retire. Yeah. And, and or, the concept of wealth and all those things have really, you know, just changed so much in the last hundred plus years. And I think that's a good way of thinking about it. It's like, there's no right or wrong answer, by the way, right? Whether you want to leave a lot, whether you want to leave a little. I've talked to people and they joke and they're like, I'm leaving my kid a credit card bill. (laughs) 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 So so everybody kind of, you know, says different things, right? And and of course, you can have fun with the conversation, but you do really need to have the conversation so that your retirement professional and your financial professional can help you kind of figure out what that's going to be. And, I, yeah. you know, thinking about uh, the way you said the, the the person really wanted to leave a legacy, a specific number in mind, you can also work towards your planning process to still create that legacy portion and hopefully enjoy yourself as well. But the sooner that you can do that, the better, right? You, The right. more time you have to plan, the better things are going to be. So that being said, right. what are some basic mistakes that you often see people make in the estate planning conversation? You know, all too often I see that people have very old documents that don't even reflect their current wishes. Okay. And some people don't even have any documents. They just haven't felt the need to get them. Uh, They're healthy. They're working. The time has gone by. And now they're suddenly realizing, well, we really need to get some things in place. I think often that comes about as they see their parents 
needing to actually utilize their documents and they they get a sense of how important those documents can be mm-hmm. not just the will or the trust but also the power of attorney right yeah uh, the medical power of attorney all of those are very important so you know people need to think about do they have a complete set of legal documents and do those reflect their current wishes is the money going to the people they want it to go to in the percentages they want it to go to in the manner they want it to go to outright or over time, whatever that case may be. And do they still have confidence in the person that they've named to serve as that executor or that trustee or the guardian, whoever is going to serve in one of those roles? Is that the person that they still want to have named in that role? Is that person still available? Is that person you know, still of an age to serve, should they think about naming somebody else? So that's one thing uh, that I often see. You know, another thing is that people haven't coordinated the total plan. And what I mean by that is they might have a document that says one thing, but then the beneficiaries on their accounts are completely different. And whenever you have a beneficiary on an account, that is going to supersede the document. Yes, exactly. And a lot of people don't realize that, right? It doesn't right. matter what you are, you know, I want to leave this to that, this person, but I didn't change the beneficiary designation. I'm too bad. <laughs> it doesn't matter exactly. what your will says. The BD overrides that. Exactly. So any account that has a beneficiary on that account, whether that's a bank account or a 401k or mm-hmm. an IRA or any other account that has a beneficiary, whoever is the name beneficiary is the 100% recipient of those funds, no matter what the will says. And unfortunately, we see that a lot with uh, later divorces, right? Because somebody's been married 30 years, they get a divorce later in life, and they're just, they got all these things, and they just forget to, you know, cross a, uh, cross a T or dot an I somewhere, and it comes back to be problematic. And certainly that's something, you know, something you want to try to avoid, obviously. Right. And and when people have accounts spread out, because they've worked at a lot of different places, and they've ended Mm, up with old 401ks or old rollover accounts that are spread out all over the place that mm-hmm. that can make it even more difficult to make sure that everything is coordinated. So there comes a point where you you've got to sit down and look at the list of everything. How is it? What are the beneficiary designations on that account? Where will it go? Is that where I want it to go? And yeah. does that match then the documents that I have? The yeah, will, stuff the falls trust. Through, yeah, stuff falls yes. through the cracks, right? Uh, or right. we throw something in the, the proverbial financial junk drawer and we forget about it. Uh, so that's you great know, an, Yeah. Another thing, Mark, that I often see as people get older is that they begin to add their children mm-hmm. to their accounts mm. for convenience. Sure, yeah. It makes it convenient for the child to write a bill for them or they feel like, well, if something comes up in the future, even though maybe the child is not currently handling anything if something comes up then they can just step in what they don't realize yeah yeah what they don't realize is that number one that exposes that account to anything that happens to that child so if that child gets a divorce or they end up you know in a car wreck with a surgeon and they're sued that account actually belongs to them if they're a co-owner really okay yeah that's interesting and same kind of conversation we hear with the house too, right? When some people say, well, let me sign my house over to my, my kid early, even though I'm still alive right. to kind of, for whatever financial purpose they're thinking about, that does expose that as an asset to them. I, you think about exactly. that with the house, but not the, not the accounts. That's a great point. 
It, yeah. And the other issue is that if the child is the co-owner, when that parent passes away, that account belongs to that child 100%. There yep. may be other beneficiaries that, you know, maybe they have four children and they want it to be split four ways. Mm. The child can follow the instructions. They're not required to follow the instructions of the will. They can. A lot of times I see that they do, but that that may put the child in a position of having to you know, do some gifting and use yeah. up some gifting limits really depends on how much the account is worth. So there's trying to do these easy um, workarounds don't always get you in the place that you want and can expose you to some risks that you're not even aware of. And that's why it's important to talk to somebody that understands all of the things that could happen and can give some guidance on how's the best way to get to where you want to go yeah. without exposing you to any risk that you don't want to be exposed to or your child to, to any complications that you don't want your child to have to deal with. Let's make it as efficient and as simple for everybody involved. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that, you know, that's part of thinking through all of the different scenarios. You know, we tend to, Mark, think things are going to happen in a certain way. We have this idea that, you know, I'm going to live, I'm going to pass away before these people, uh, you know, when my kids are going to be healthy, no one's going to get disabled. Right. You know, we, we tend to think that things are going to happen in a certain way, but sometimes they don't. And when they don't, then the, the plan needs to be able to be a flexible and to provide the best for everybody in whatever this new situation or reality might be. So, when we're thinking about our estate plan, we've got to think through the contingencies, what could happen if these things happen, what needs to be in place to make sure that uh, my children are taken care of in the best manner possible, I'm taken care of in the best manner possible, have I thought about all of these things? And that's where a, a professional that's seen a lot of different things happen can help with thinking through what needs to be in the plan. You know, and then there's also tax law changes, beneficiary situations, there are different stages of life, there are different tax situations. Sometimes beneficiaries may be in different situations and you have to think differently for one beneficiary than another. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, when you think about those BDs, I was taught a couple of ways to think about it is when you have uh, one of the four Ds, if one of these four Ds happen, make sure you're checking your beneficiaries and just updating those. That's a divorce, uh, obviously a death, a disability, or even if nothing else, just once a decade, right? I mean, yeah. possibly sooner than that, but it's an easy way to remember the four Ds, you know, right. as, a, as a way to Very kind good. of going in and just adjusting those, uh, those things, making sure they're right. So I think most of us, understand we need an estate planning attorney, right, to help us with our estate plan. But the financial advisor's role is really critical as well to some of the things you've already highlighted. Uh, as that person who's done this, what kind of aspects do you do you play in the overall concept of the uh, the estate plan? You know, when, I, when I'm thinking with my clients about their estate plan, and as we've talked in the past, I do comprehensive planning. Right. So that's going to include the income planning, the risk management, the tax planning, the investment management, and the estate planning. And how do those things work together? How are they coordinated? Mm, like gears, because, like the gears in a watch, so to speak. Exactly. Because yeah. when you make a change in one of those areas, it's going to impact each of the other areas. And so they need to be coordinated so that it's all working together. And so I help them formulate where do they want their estate to flow? How much to each beneficiary? 
what special designated gifts do they want to give to grandchildren, to nieces, to nephews, to charities, you know, talk through those issues and how those might look in different scenarios in the plan projection. What if, you know, we end up with this projection, this path forward, how does that look at the end for these different people that you're wanting to leave things to? And that helps them really organize their thoughts before they go in and meet with an estate planning attorney to write the documents so that then the documents can be written in a way that's going to cover their ultimate wishes over their lifetime. Mm, Yeah. You know, we spend some time talking about how can they maximize their estate, minimize the income tax, what strategies could be used to help eliminate some income tax in situations. And once that estate plan has been written, then we do the, the work of making sure beneficiaries are coordinated to match so that every piece of that estate plan is working together exactly as it should. We don't have a beneficiary designation that's going to throw the whole plan off because it doesn't match what was written in the documents. And so helping people with that. And then, you know, once people do pass away, and I have had clients that have passed away and worked with their heirs to make sure that they receive all the assets in the most efficient, tax efficient way possible, make sure that they're not being fully taxed on IRAs or qualified accounts and understand what options and choices they have so that they can make those best decisions. So those are some of the things that we do to fill in the different pieces of planning around the estate plan. Yeah. No, and you know, one of the things we were talking about, you and I were chatting as we were discussing the concept and the topic for the podcast was, you know, just the the fact that you also like to dig in just, you know, just beyond the numbers. And so I thought maybe you could share a situation with us where you know, you, you've just been, it's been particularly interesting or rewarding to you to help construct that legacy portion of a plan for a client, you know, without doing specifics, but just something you could share with us, because like, like I said, I know that you enjoy more than just the numbers as well. Yeah. Uh, a couple of different things come to mind. A long time ago, I had a client who I helped them set up an estate plan. After that estate plan was set up, then the mom had a stroke. And then the dad passed away and then the mom passed away from her stroke. Mm -hmm. Because we had set it up in the manner that we had set it up, they had real estate, multiple real estate. They had uh, other assets. All of that was able to flow to their kids within probably six months. It was maybe a little bit less. The mom had had a brother who had also had a stroke and he had passed away two years earlier and his estate was still not settled. It was still hung up in, in because things just hadn't gotten written and there were a lot of questions. So one thing is, you know, just knowing that the plan flows very efficiently and uh, goes exactly where people want it to go. Uh, But, you know, I've had clients that have had land that's been in the family for many years or a family business that they want to carry on uh, and have been able to help talk through how that can be carried forward through multiple generations and protected through multiple generations. And then I have clients that have pretty big charitable giving goals. So recently I had a family set up a donor advice fund and they're going to be able to use this to do some significant gifting during their lifetime. 
and that's very important to them. So uh, that's a part of our ongoing planning each year, looking at the donor advice fund and what they want to give and how much money we want to put in that. But at the point in time that they pass away, they're going to be able to fund that donor advice fund. It's already in existence, fund a, a good lump sum, and the family can carry on that giving. Mm, yeah. And so they're going to be including their children in this charitable giving conversation so that they can pass on their values. They can talk through why they're giving, talk through, let the children begin to have some input into some giving as well, but pass on the values and then let the children and the grandchildren carry that out when they're not here. And so getting involved in those things where people are able to continue their legacy, whether that's passing on things that have been in the family for a long time or things that they built, such as a business or the giving that they want to do as a legacy that the family is leaving this world. Those are very, very good conversations that I deeply enjoy. Yeah. And it's all part of getting together with an advisor, right? Having a professional to help you building relationships. And, you know, we like to close out the podcast each week with you saying that's the way to retire on your best path, right? Is to have yes. that have a team. Uh, you need an estate planning attorney, certainly, but you need that financial professional component as well. Absolutely. And so uh, with that, I will say, if you are listening to this and you would like to have any input, have any questions on your estate plan, we'd be happy to give you some feedback and you can get more information by checking out our website. We've got some some very good checklists that would give you some input on making some plans and you can just navigate to bestpathadvisors.com and look under the good stuff that we've got there and you've got some checklists that you could could review. Yeah, and we're here to help you be on your best path for retirement. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry about that, Liz. Yeah, no, that's that's the when you said the good stuff, I figured I better uh, kind of drill that down for folks. So when you go to bestpathadvisors.com, uh, there's a section called the good stuff. <laughs> so you want to check yes. that out. And that's where you can find some of that good stuff. Uh, some good checklists, good ways, good tools, tips and resources to help you get started should you need some help. Uh, and of course, Liz is always here. So just reach out to her at bestpathadvisors.com. That's bestpathadvisors.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well. If you enjoy the content and you'd like to hear future episodes as well as catch past episodes, that's a tab on the website also. So it makes it pretty easy for you to find and subscribe. I'm going to get us out of here this week, but thank you for hanging out. Sorry we went a little bit long on this episode, but a lot of content here to talk about when we're talking estate planning. So again, if you need some help, reach out to Liz and we'll see you next time here on Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry from Best Path Advisors at bestpathadvisors.com. The preceding program is sponsored by Best Path Advisors, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. Best Path Advisors, J.W. Cole Financial, and J.W. Cole Advisors are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by Liz Whitberry should not be construed as specific tax, legal, or investment advice, nor as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Neither J.W. Cole Financial nor its representatives provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W. Cole. Investing is subject to risks, including the loss of principal. Due to volatility within the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed.